welcome to another live recording of the Linking the Travel Industry podcast, where we discuss travel industry news you are talking about on LinkedIn. My name is Rian and I'm one of your hosts today. I'm the CEO at Agentivity, a travel data platform used by travel sellers around the world to modernize how they sell and manage travel for their clients. You can read more about us at agentivity.com. And hello and welcome, everybody. My name is Anne and I'm a consultant with LeapShift. Happy to help you with anything related to um, distribution and the CE one order. Uh, in addition, I also work as an instructor for both IOTA and Aeroclass. And apologies for the croaky voice. I like that voice. Hi, everyone. My name is Ash and I'm the host of a weekly business travel podcast called What's Up in Business Travel, where we give you only the important updates in under 15 minutes. Additionally, I'm the vice president at Traxo and this is Linking the Travel Industry. For those new to the show, the format of this discussion revolves around a post I do on a Friday where we've gathered some of the week's most uh, talked about industry news and then we discuss them a bit more in detail here. For those familiar faces, welcome back and Happy New Year. Very nice to see you back at the show. There's going to be two stories which is going to dominate today's discussion. So why don't we just leave them to the end and quickly go through some of the others first, if that's okay with you guys. So let's start with the story about travel counsellors in the UK. They made a technology investment with the acquisition of Play Nisto, which is a platform, and I'm quoting, enabling them to build highly complex travel itineraries and presenting these to customers. Um, so quite focused on some of their leisure sellers there. But it was very, very interesting for me as a technology supplier, of course, to hear their CEO, Steve, say that they, um, they've they set aside £15 million for tech and AI in 2024. So, and we keep talking about this. We want TMCs to be investing more in technology, and these guys are doing it at a scale which is kind of unheard of. So really mm. good to hear that, right? Yeah, this was, this was actually the most interesting article for me of the week, and it also impresses me so much. And I've been thinking a lot about the possibilities of, of like you're saying, AI generating itineraries and really helping out in this space. And, and of course, there is a huge potential here. And that's actually how I see the future of distribution at a larger scale. Good for them. Absolutely. Ash, even at a US scale, these are massive numbers, right? 15 million pounds to be investing in tech in one year. So um, did you pick up on that story? Yeah, I did. And I think that this is uh, definitely a good move by them. And anytime you hear AI and the addition of simplifying the agent's life, uh, because I think the agents and travel counselors, uh, no pun intended, they actually have a lot of manual labor that they conduct. So I believe that Planisto, if I'm saying their name correctly, is going to help their teams to really make this process a lot simpler. So that's good. And this is actually their second uh, acquisition ever. And uh, wait to see how this all plays out. I like how an American is correcting my pronunciation of a European brand, but fair enough. I think you do have it right. I probably had it wrong. So there we go. Good news there from travel counselors. Next story to discuss quickly is very quiet. I, I must admit, I couldn't find this much on LinkedIn. I think I had to go off LinkedIn to find this in the end. And I, I wonder why that is. There must be a very efficient PR machine working at Iberia. But um, there's a strike going on. It's affected quite a lot of flights. They cancelled 440 flights. And it started over the weekend and is ongoing now. They did reschedule a lot of people, that 45,000 affected people. But, and isn't it strange that there's not much said about this? I know, it's very strange. And it's such an impressive result that they, you you know, you would really like to know more about what is the technology they've been using, how quick was this, how efficient. I, I would love to know more. It's an incredibly impressive number to reschedule. 
that many and so quickly, right? Yep, indeed. Yeah. So very below the radar here. Um, Ash, I guess it didn't show yeah. up anywhere on your side. No, it didn't. But it did say that 91%, right? So I'm wondering what's going to happen to the other 4,500 people. <laughs> They're going to have a good time yeah. in Spain. <laughs> And then there was some interesting news from China. They're making some changes to their visa regulations. They had two moves that they've announced. One was a visa waiver entirely with Thailand. So anybody from Thailand or anybody from China can visit each other without any visas required. That will be as of March. And in that article, there is also a lot of information about the number of Thai people visiting China and vice versa. And then they also eased requirements for U.S. travelers, making it a little bit easier for U.S. and I would imagine business travelers to get to China. And that I saw in an article posted by Beyond Business Travel. So, Ash, good moves, right? I, I guess needed, right? They, they need that travel to be happening to China from the US, right? They definitely do need that. And it's not just China. I see this happening across the board in so many other countries. Um, I believe last week or week before, Turkey announced something similar. Kenya has announced something similar. You get a lot of these countries starting to realize that their bureaucracy is actually slowing down the ability for people to move between countries. And of course, if you depend on tourism or if you'd like to see an increase in tourism, you definitely want to decrease that timeline. So whatever they're doing, whether it's applying technologies uh, like e-visas or anything else, this is definitely all good for the movement of people uh, between countries where it might have taken people months and months to get a visa approved. Now you can just move very quickly across. So this is a good move. Again, like I said, I, I see this across the board with other countries as well. That's true. I do have a little caveat on my own story relating to Kenya, because I think we talked about it two weeks ago where the announcement was made by Kenya that all citizens are now going to be um, visa are free. There's no visa in place, right? So there was a bit of a backlash story on that. I saw a post by an aviation expert in Africa talking about the fact that there were actually quite a few countries before who could travel to Kenya without any visa issues. And that's true. You know, I recall I can do that as well. But now it's a $32 fee. And also it's very locked into your trip. So if you change your plans, you have to resubmit it and you pay again and all sorts of stuff. So there was a bit of a negative story as well. But Ash, you always say there's always two stories to a side. There's always a story behind the story, right? I do believe overall it's obviously a a much better move. So let's get on to two of the bigger stories then, uh, three of them, one of them slightly related, but not really. So I think, and was this supposed by you, Ryanair making the headlines last week for their really bizarre positioning on OTAs. They were in the news twice for me. There was a very good post by a guy called Luke uh, DeVolder, mm-hmm. uh, who talked about how they've managed to increase their passenger numbers by 13% and their load factors to an astonishing 94%. So they're clearly getting something right. And don't forget, they faced multiple strikes in Belgium and France and other places, and yet they've maintained that. But then they they were actually in the news for this bizarre positioning on OTAs, where first they took them to court, calling them pirates, preventing them from scraping, and then, I wouldn't say complaining, but then kind of being surprised when the big OTAs don't have them on their sites anymore and saying, oh, now there's going to be availability all of a sudden and they're going to have to reduce airfares to make that up. Very strange. There was a very good post. Dennis, Dennis Schkoll, yes, he tried to kind of explain this to us, but even there, I kind of want to say, what are they smirking? But whatever it is, is very good because they're really getting the results, right, Anne? Yes, they truly are. I mean, first of all, I want to say, I mean, they're almost close to 182 million passengers in Europe. I mean, that is just astonishing. And they've been very, very consistent. So whatever you want to say about them, very, very consistent in approach. And 
I think that they are at a position where they can they can truly say that they want to control their distribution in full, which I think is a perfect strategy. And uh, I'm, as you know, I dislike this sort of piracy that they talk about because I've it's something I've been observing with OTAs. This sort of unbundling stuff that is bundled, adding uh, fees on top that are not there. So it is a behavior that needs to be shut down. So. That I do agree with them, but um, it's going to be very interesting to to follow all of this. You say follow it, but I mean, it's happened and it's out there now. We need to also mention, we did mention this at the end of last year, but they're going after the corporate market big time, right? They've now signed with SAP yep. Concur. We know there's a development that needs to happen. So we are both quite curious about what API they're going to use there, right? So we're going to try and dig around a bit, I would imagine. I don't see that that should be a problem for them, but I think that they want to control their API structure and the way they go about uh, distribution. I mean, that's what I would have done. And I think it's very interesting how they commented on Google Flights, which has been, um, that's also something that caught Man, my attention. They are in love with Google Flights. They can't they mention are. them enough. <laughs> yes, they are in love. Yeah. But I think that what I'm trying to say is that I think that Ryanair is going to be part of a of what I could almost sort of call a revolution in distribution, which will happen at some point in time. And uh, and it's all about, you know, you need to take control of your distribution. There shouldn't be any stuff like full content stuff and what have you. You need to have a very clear, clear path forward. That's my my thoughts on it. Well, as you know, if Anne says it, we know it's going to happen, right? I totally agree. And I would add that it's actually not a distribution strategy, but it's going to be a retailing revolution. So, and it's going to really change things. You know, on the Ryanair thing, I mean, if you just look at the numbers, Rian, but I mean, they're talking about being up 13%, 182 million passengers, load factor of 94%. So in all of those numbers, why do they need the OTAs, right? So if you're them, you wouldn't do that. And the reason why they like Google Flights is because Google Flights sends the booking back to them. You know, fair enough. I understand why that is but don't forget up until now and with those numbers they were represented by the OTAs yeah but the OTAs they're saying counts for only like 1% the number from the OTA is so small that it has no impact on them at all like if the OTAs decided to not show their Ryanair in anything they're totally fine with that actually they're probably better off because all the hassle that comes with it is probably not going to be there anymore so they'll have more time to spend Mm -hmm. on on other creative measures to get it up their load factor from 94 to 98% until somebody comes up with a model where you actually pay the airline for their content, which I've been talking about for many, many years, I don't think that you're going to get airlines to be very excited about showing their content unless they're getting something out of it. And that's really where it belongs is that you got to pay people for what they own. I said there was a slight relation. I saw another post this morning uh, relating to our next big story, which is, of course, about Boeing. I saw Michael O'Leary basically saying that Boeing needs to get their whatever together because he's not going to wait much longer for those delayed deliveries of planes. So, Ash, this was your story. You posted about this. Of course, many people posted about this, but you you started the, I, I think the first thing about Boeing last week was about this loose bolt in the rudder system that they had to go and inspect. And then, of course, as we all now know, there was a subsequent issue of this plug door that fell out and got picked up by Bob in his garden. So Ash, you want to talk to us about what you think is going on with Boeing? The issue with Boeing is not just an issue from the stories that we recently heard in the news this past news cycle. The issues with Boeing go back many years and actually, I would even say over a decade. We're not going to get into all of that today. But what I will say is that Boeing definitely has a safety control issue. 
and the aircraft that was created during the time when Boeing was very relaxed about safety was the MAX aircraft. And the MAX aircraft, as we know, comes with so many different variations. And of course, MAX is really loved by the airlines because it's a very fuel-efficient aircraft. The only issue with the MAX is that there are a lot of safety issues. So bolt coming out of one of the planes, of course, now they've asked all the airlines to inspect that bolt. Uh, And again, this is just a very small component of a much bigger issue at Boeing. And then, of course, when you talk about what happened with the uh, Alaska Airlines flight this past Friday and how the FAA now has grounded all MAX 9 aircrafts with the door issue, uh, that's another picture of that story. So we can sit here and we can diagnose every little symptom that comes out of Boeing or we can diagnose the bigger problem, which is Boeing. I believe some of the European carriers are not affected because they don't have this plugged door, right? So that's not an issue. And I think, and you recently flew on a MAX as well, but did you know that beforehand or did you just sort of check, find it out afterwards? Actually, that's because of ASH. Um, whenever I look at, you know, what is the what is the aircraft? I noticed that, yes, I did fly very recently on a MAX. I've flown them a few times. It's, it's almost like the MAX is a jinxed plane, isn't it? Yes, indeed. So we've got another big story of the week and we'll probably talk a lot more about Boeing as it comes along. But before we do, I just want to turn a little bit to the audience. Our mission here with linking the travel industry is the clue is in the title. We really want to link as many people in the industry to one another as we can. So we would actively encourage you to check the other people there in the audience and make sure that you are connected to them. We also call out on one unsuspecting victim each week and call them our link of the week. And this week, not because you joined first, but uh, because you have a really good and interesting profile and worth being connected to, Kenneth Nortlin at Riskline. Thank you for joining us today. But uh, if others can spot him in the audience there, please reach out and connect to him. And uh, thank you for joining us and giving us your time. Indeed, thank you for everybody. But congratulations to Kenneth for being our link of the week. Now, speaking of risks, etc., I mean, from our side, Ash, you'll find this interesting. We already have agents asking us about reporting on bookings they have where certain aircraft types are involved because, of course, they have customers asking about that. So that is also going to happen. And I wonder, you know, from a risk perspective, if some corporates will start seeing that as a risk. But um, I'm not here to speculate. So let's see what happens. Identifying the aircraft type in itself a major issue. Even if you did have a policy where a company said, okay, we're not going to have any employees fly the max because of safety protocols, it's virtually impossible for a traveler to identify what the aircraft type is and do anything like sorting and, and elimination. So, you know, we, we do have a problem in the industry where aircraft types, I think, are going to need to become something that you can sort through or sort by and allow the elimination of certain types of planes. Because simply, if you do care about safety, you're going to care about these issues. I couldn't have set up that as a sales call any better because as it happens, I have a solution for that one, but I won't mention it. Well, there you That's go. Okay. Call agentivity. <laughs> we, we are able to, to track that now and report to our customers on it and it's helping them quite a lot so uh, yeah that's working quite well so we've got uh, one more story and then one fairly exclusive scoop as well but let's just cover the big story of the week and it's difficult now to tell which one was the bigger one of the two because they both made you know such major headlines but of course the whole incident with Japan Airlines JL516 and the way managed to evacuate and save all of its passengers and crew. Um, And sadly, of course, with the loss of the five crew on the Japanese Coast Guard flight. But what an incredible, incredible story. So, Anne, I mean, as a very regular traveler, what was the first thing that sort of hit your mind, you know, when you wrote that story? You know, it's just so impressive and how you can evacuate the plane that quickly. And of course, you 
I mean, it's Japanese efficiency as well that comes into play, I would say. I found it particularly interesting with their focus in their safety video on how they truly, truly focus on what's important. And there's been a lot of discussion on LinkedIn about that, on um, that really should be what is the focus, right? Rather than um, some glossy stuff. You're absolutely right, because um, I, if you watch that video, they, they focus a lot on the damage that high heels and baggage can do to the slides yeah. and what you should do in finding your nearest exit and all that stuff. So you're absolutely yeah. right. Very, very remarkable story. You and I shared something uh, where we where we talked a lot about this. There's a lot of airlines out there kind of casting a little bit of a blind eye to baggage in the cabin, and I did a post on that as well. That needs to be addressed, because I now feel very strongly that I can stand up and say, sorry, I don't, I don't like what I see there. It's not, it's going to impede my safety on this flight. And I, we should have a right to say that. Uh, a lot of the times that, you know, you feel it's impolite to say something. I will certainly speak out. I know, Ashen, your section of the aircraft that you normally travel in, these things aren't really a problem. But um, wouldn't you agree? I think you saw my post with that photo of some of the luggage on the floor, right? That's so funny. <laughs> Actually, I would say my section of the plane is probably worse than any other section, <laughs> simply because of the entitlement mindset that goes along with that. We should feel fine to speak up about these things, right? Absolutely. I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. I feel bad for Japan. I mean, you know, you have January 1st earthquake, <laughs> then you have this issue happening, you know, 100,000 people evacuate. I mean, just the list of issues, their first week of 2024 has been a real, real been hard week. They're dealing with quite a bit there. Yes, I know. So the actual event itself, let's talk about that real quick if we can. Yeah. I mean, the the actual event itself, I mean, talking about perfection here, right? And we're talking about Japanese inefficiency. So, you know, we have to be able to say that, hey, while we have all of that, we also have the other side of it, which is that, you know, you have this aircraft that's been told to hold before getting on the runway, the Coast Guard plane, and they didn't listen to that instruction. It's something to do with the wording of how they worded that. If you read the transcript of what the control tower said to the planes, there was a light issue that was damaged. Coast Guard plane didn't get the light that says that there's a plane coming on this runway because the light was needed to be fixed. Anytime there's an aircraft incident that occurs, there's always human error that's involved. Of course, what happened after that and what they did on the plane and got everybody out was just a miracle in itself. Human error and then, you know, human, you know, fix it. Absolutely. You know, you spot on. And the, 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 the one photo where it's a bit blurry, but you can see at the, at the back with a very steep slide at a very steep angle, but you see that stewardess standing at the very top there holding on and getting people off it, it is an image that i will never forget it's incredible you can't imagine holding your position there right with the flames licking at the side of the aircraft but doing your job it is beyond imagination i, I can't think how brave you must be to do that so yeah incredible story and these things are all things that you practice i mean yes. you, you don't go through a live training of that situation no. so when it actually happens to be able to alert yourself to the point where you know exactly what to do you know, I mean, I equate uh, flight attendants to, you know, the level of like firefighters and police officers. I mean, when it comes down to it, they get the job done. Now, we're a little bit ahead of time. I was thinking we're going to be talking about this a lot more, but there we are. Those were some of the stories. I did mention that we have a scoop and um, there we go. We can tell our audience that our friends at Grey Doors is going to announce another acquisition today. And in fact, they're going to announce it on the hour after this show. If you keep your eye on uh, the Grey Doors website or the mainstream media, you will see today that they're going to announce another acquisition. I can't tell you who it is they're acquiring, unfortunately, but I can say it is a European company. And according to their CEO, Suzanne Horner, it's going to take their annual turnover 
over half a billion pounds a year to 550 million pounds plus. Absolutely amazing. You heard it here first on Linking the Travel Industry. So how is that for a scoop? I love it. I love the fact that people are telling us the scoop before the scoop comes out of the news. I don't know if that's exactly what happened, but I'm just saying that. We're, we're the pre-scoop. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I think Grey Doors is just, oh, it's just, they're, they're phenomenal, right? It's just so fantastic to see a company that they're doing so much, so many things so right. Follow them. And uh, like I said, you heard it here first. So guys, those were the stories on my list, including this pre-scoop scoop. Uh, so there you go. And did you have any extra stories for us from your side? I've got a couple. I, I thought it was very interesting to um, the post done by Travel in Motion. As you know, they are Travel in Motion and, and it's also Oyston. And they did um, a very interesting post on the NDC surcharges that I thought was a, a very detailed and very helpful. So th- that's a, a read that I recommend. The other article that I saw on LinkedIn that refers to an article on Skift was about Venice and the moves that they're making to limit the size of tour groups that are going to have a limit of 25 people and how they also ban loudspeakers. And this is all part of the package where, you know, they're introducing a fee to visit Venice if you're there on a, a, for the day. They're really uh, applying lots of, of measures to, to limit tourism, which is interesting how you do that. So those were the couple of articles that caught my attention. Okay, great. Thank you. Ash, I think you have... Um... Space News! Is that correct? I do. And of course, uh, what good would it be to start 2024 off without Space News? So there's a couple of things I want to mention. The first thing is that we ended the year last year, and I think the last show I asked you and Anne, that SpaceX was looking to go for 100 launches in 2023. So um, Anne, you said that there'll be under 100 launches in 2023. And Rian, you said that they were going to be over, and I said they'll hit the number 100. So uh, I'd like to tell you that, uh, Anne, you were 100% correct, that they actually hit 98 launches. And the end of the year, they were really busy. I mean, I don't know if you noticed, but they were launching like twice a day towards Wow. I won. Yeah. I won. I won. Yes. You won. You did win. You did win. Congratulations there. Thank you. <laughs> so, on the edge of yeah. my seat because for those in the audience, Ash didn't even tell us before the show what who was winning. So I had to wait for this we one. Didn't. Okay, well, there we go. But they were aiming for 100. So, you know, that's a pretty significant uh, increase because in 2022, uh, they hit 63 launches. So to get from 63 to 98, pretty significant goal there and achieved it, which is pretty good. So the official number for 2024 is 144 launches. Wow. And they already started. So it's not like they're waiting in, you know, for January 7th or 8th to happen. They already, the next day after New Year's Day, they already started launching. And the launch that I'm talking about that they had in in January is pretty significant because this was another uh, typical, you know, Starlink mission launch. I mean, we hear Starlink mission launches every other day now. The thing that makes this special is because out of the satellites that were launched, a couple of them are dedicated for the ability for us to be able to do text messaging from space. So there you are having a nice wine, and and all of a sudden you get a text message from space from somebody that you know saying, hey, Anne, I'm up here in the moon and I'm just sending you a message to say hi. That's skeptical about this one. I mean, I thought it was to do with the fact to use these satellites for Earth to Earth you know, messaging where the mobile network doesn't cover you. You have that too, but this is this is taking it to the next level because they anticipate that there will be human travel 
in space and we're talking about the moon and other things like that. So now you're going to start to see this picture take place where you can communicate from these places. I have to say, if I have to picture someone having a glass of wine and sending a text message from space, it will be you, Ash. It could be yeah. me sending the message to Anne. Exactly. That was what I was going to say. My first message from space is going to be from you. So, yep, cool. no doubt in my mind whatsoever. But 144 yeah. launches. So there's the slogan of uh, the week, you know, don't set goals, set goals like SpaceX. So um, that's a great start for the year. Um, we do this every week. So for those joining us for the first time, just, uh, just you know, keep an eye on my profile. We, we post this event every week. So thank you very much. Well done to Kenneth from Riskline for being our link of the week. Thank you very much, Anne and Ash, for joining me today. Thank you for those in the audience. Over to you, Anne. Thank you, everyone, for joining us. And uh, also a special shout out to Kenneth. Thanks for being there. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining today's session. We host this LinkedIn audio call every week on Monday, and it's all about linking the travel industry. We really ask you to share this event with everyone that you know. Chances are high that if you enjoyed today's session, others that you know will as well. And if you cannot make it because of time zone or availability, we make the session available as a podcast on businesstravel360.com. This is Linking the Travel Industry, signing off. 